I am Erica. I am Kevin. I am Giovanna. I am adventurous. I am dreamer. I am creative. I am wine. I am dance. I am entrepreneur. I am musician. I am privileged. I am activist. I I am am podcast. Learning. Growing. Inspiring. Hello all and welcome to the I Am Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Erica, and I am super excited to introduce our guest today. He has worked with so many artists such as Whitney Houston, Gladys Knight, Beyonce, Elton John, Usher, Christina Aguilera, and Alicia Keys, just to name a few. He's acquired a wide range of television credits, including the Grammy Awards telecast, The Tonight Show, the Emmys, American Idol, and the Super Bowl, of which he received four separate Emmy nominations in the musical direction category. He also served as musical arranger and conductor for the 91st and 92nd Academy Awards, which my co-host played for as well. (laughs) And in 2008, he wrote a book titled There's No Traffic on the Extra Mile about his journey from South Central to the center stage. Emmy-nominated music producer, composer, music director, mentor, author, and the music world's renaissance man. Welcome, Mr. Ricky Miner. Mr. Ricky Miner. Hey, woo, woo, woo. <laughs> yeah, well, she, she, she said the Emmy-nominated for because they write about that, but at the winner, boo. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, like Emmy winning, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Emmy winning. Excuse me, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This year and in uh, a few years, a couple years back, actually. So. That's awesome. It's all good stuff. Awesome. Big, big. So you've yeah, got two 11, Emmy wins. Yeah, eleven nominations, two wins. Wow, amazing. Yeah, Incredible. one one this year and uh, one uh, twenty seventeen. Nice. What was this year's for? Uh, Kennedy Center Honors. Oh, wow. and then the one in two thousand seventeen. Uh, that was taking the stage, African American. Music and stories that changed America. Mm. It was the opening of the African American Museum in D.C. So. Oh my wow. gosh! Yeah, Incredible. It, it's uh, it, they actually re-aired it during uh, Black History Month this in February. You know, I was proud of that. It covered from slavery all the way through the journey of African Americans. So it covered comedy, not only music, uh, sports, gospel, hymns in the cotton fields, and you know how how music really. Uh, as a people just really propelled us through this and it really the entertainment part of it was just in the dna wow Mm. it's amazing beautiful yeah i wish i we really want to go visit that museum with our kids of course now with covid you can't do much of that well you can't yet but yeah but if you get a chance you know try to try to look up that show uh Taking the stage. It was on ABC. It was really taking the really stage. Good. Yeah, we will we definitely will. check it out. Yes, everybody <laughs> ain't giving <laughs> it back. Exactly. Take, it. <laughs> take it. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the one of the I mean, we just want to start with a little bit of the history. Your history. How did you get to where you are? It, I you know I know you as an incredible music director, bass player, kind human being, father, husband, and just really a, a boss in so many ways. But that. Mm-hmm really started how, how did it start how did you come to find the base what was your trajectory yeah well you know i like uh like a lot of you know young kids during the time uh really just love music i love to sing along i love to dance to it i just love the way it made me feel and so that thing never leaves you i ended up starting to play starting a singing group in the projects in watts 
trying to be like the Jackson Five, and we won a little talent show. Oh, wow. And so after we won, we won, you know, it was five bucks each, but it was still back then, five dollars. You might as well have said five million. I'm like, yes. <laughs> Rich. Yeah, I don't have to ask my mom for nothing. I got five dollars. <laughs> and I can buy candy. I can buy five dollars worth of candy. I can buy soda. I can do anything I want. This Whatever is my I money. Want. I earned it. You know? Ooh, that's uh, good. Had a little too, but and then, but then all of a sudden, you know, the, the girls started noticing me after that win. And that five dollars, but next I didn't have it anymore. All of a sudden, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I did buy the the candy and everything, but I bought it for the girls. I didn't I didn't even get to have it. So anyway, I mean that that kind of changed things. And I was around thirteen at the time. Started playing bass uh, at fourteen. It was because my group I I sang Jermaine Jackson's part, and so I wanted <laughs> to keep my parts. So my uncle, who was just back from Vietnam, said. You guys, I, you know, he had, he found a band to play for us for about a year, uh, high school students, but they graduated, went on to college. He said, "You guys got to learn to play your own instruments." Oh. So I said, "I'll be playing bass, and keep my keep my Jermaine yeah. Jackson part." He's <laughs> got a little step out line, you know. Yeah. Than Michael, <laughs> and I couldn't hit them high Michael notes. But anyway, <laughs> I so I started playing bass. That's why I play bass. Years later, you know, I I, uh, I ended up. I'll get to that part later, but I ended up working with Whitney Houston, and I'll talk about that a little later. But I met Jermaine. I was so excited. You know, he he said hello, and he knew who I was, that I worked with Whitney. And and I told him about, like, the, you're the reason I play bass, and it's, oh. like, such an honor to meet you and everything. And so he said, cool. And that was it. Oh, no. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> is that it? So, oh, no. so fast forward a few years later, maybe about four years later, I get called to play on, on a movie soundtrack uh, that Harold Wheeler was doing for a TV movie called An American Dream. And it was the story of the Jackson Five and uh, uh, played by Angela Bassett and Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it was, you know, it was a great movie. And I was playing and Jermaine was the executive producer. Mm. So I see him at the session and afterwards they say, Jermaine wants to see you in the booth. And he said, hey, and I had seen him a bunch of times since that first time I met him. You know, it, it'd be a wave or hello or something. And he said, uh, I, 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 I didn't want you, 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 you to think that that, 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 that that it mean a lot to me. He said, but, 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 but I stutter sometimes. And and so I, I I just say a quick answer sometimes, you know, oh, if I wow. feel a stuttering going on. Wow. So I, and and you wouldn't know that because when he sings, there's never a problem. No. It's only when he talks. And you know, look, and it just goes to show, like everybody's got a thing, you know. Like we're perfectly imperfect, mm. you know. And so we all have some things that we're trying to overcome, and we all where our insecurities differently. Definitely. Some people are loud with it. Some are quiet with mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Some are, some are, 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 are trying to tell jokes to get the focus off of them because they're insecure about certain things. And we all have insecurities, just wear them differently. And I, I realized in that moment that, that that wasn't to be made fun of my uncle. Uh, I had another uncle, my mom's brother who was deaf and he lived with my, my grandmother and I live with my grandmother you know, until she passed away as the eldest boy. I know what that can feel like to be bullied or to be taunted or made fun of. And so now I understand that that was his way of protecting himself. Mm. That led me to, after that gig, I ended up 
my first gig playing with Gladys Knight and the Pips. I, I, I skipped a part. So I went on through high school and I got a full scholarship to UCLA, math, computer science. I was on this trajectory to, to work for, uh, I got a full scholarship from Bank of America, uh, Southern California Gas Company, IBM. All of the grants and scholarships that were available, they had my name on it. I mm. mean, I filled out every single paper. And when I told my mom I got into UCLA, she said, how'd you do that? Mm. You know, because cause I went to the counselor every day. Like, I'm, like wow. I, I have some things to get done in, in this life. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I need to some direction on how, how to write an essay, how to get recommendation letters. And I just signed my mom's name wherever it said parent or guardian, you know. Because my mom had five kids by the age of 25, you know, she was wow. she was busy taking wow. care of. Them. And then, you know, single uh, parent got on welfare. And that's how we were able to get project housing, you know, coming from Louisiana. I came from Louisiana at age nine with uh, with the other siblings and being second to the eldest, you know. Wow. Uh, I think wow. it was might have been eight. But at any rate, you know, it was about it's not where you come from. It's where you're going. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, so set set your intention and work towards that and set your goals. Don't waste any time with people who aren't, look, aren't going anywhere. I mean, are not interested in it. They're happy with where they are. No judgment again. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not, I mean, that's not for me. I don't have the golden ruler saying, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. That's not me. I don't have that kind of a foresight for anyone else's life. Mm. So therefore, I don't have any judgment. Did you always have that kind of motive? I mean, at such a young age, yeah, to just be so motivated. and yes. Well, I, I think, you know, the Southern moms and Southern grandmothers especially, mm. they didn't take no mess, man. I mean, you know, you just yeah. like, my, my grandmother would say if if uh, if she said, I thought I told you to, to clean the kitchen. And I'd say, no, you didn't. She said, there's only two of us talking. Which one's lying? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm using that line right now. It's gone right. in my so pocket. If you think if you if you tell your grandmother you you lied, you know, oh. look, look to look to swallow all the teeth that you have left. <laughs> no way. So I think that 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 you know, my grandmother said a whole lot of things, and at the time I thought, okay, if she says this one more time. Kindness will take you further than money. And all these little things, I'm like, what's that got to do with me? Mm. Why are you going to keep saying, you know, in my mind, I was saying all that. <laughs> and I was saying, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> so I, I think that th- that kind of upbringing, you know, where everyone in the neighborhood knew if you were acting out by the time, you know, they give you a spanking by the time you get home. You know, you've had three spankings and it wasn't even your mother yet. You know, <laughs> you know, because I'm going to say things like. Don't do wrong when you're doing wrong. Oh, like, wait, mm. oh, what is that? What does that mean? <laughs> so, stuff so, that? so, so I found out later, she says, you know that you're doing wrong. So don't do wrong when you're doing wrong. You know, so, 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 so in your mind, you're already wrong thinking of it. Yeah. And then yeah. you do wrong yeah. by doing the action. Wow. So wow. get it out your head. That's deep. Get that wrong out your head. The first wrong, be good. But you don't do wrong in your head already, committed to crime in your head. You figured out how you're going to sneak that candy out. And, yeah. and and then she said, you know, the jail is full of people who didn't think they were going to get caught. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she had some <laughs> good ones. Man, yeah, you're waking so, up so at she, night in a sweat. like, yeah. oh. 
Yeah. All right, Grandma. Yeah, and of course, you know, your hard head make a soft behind. I told you once. Hey. I'm not telling you twice. <laughs> I'm not telling you twice. I'm so, so glad so, we're recording so look for these. a little wrath. Look for a little, you know. But anyway, I, just to fast forward to all that, I mean, that's the kind of decision making where you decide who you want to be, mm. what you want to be. That can and will change. That's okay, yes. you know. Yes. That can and will change. I mean, you evolve as a person, and and the things that you liked, you know, even yesterday, you go like, I'm not into that mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. So and true. and you say all of a sudden, but it was coming along. If you look back, the the and and I think that we have to. There's a reason why things have to end so that that there can be new beginnings. And I, I think that you have to, you're the only one that can filter that th- those things out. Yeah. Jobs, friendship, friends, relationships, working or otherwise. The thing is that we think that our friendships are supposed to last forever, but they're not. They're, you know, our job experiences, I mean, we stay too long mm. in relationships, mm-hmm. work and otherwise. Mm. You know, and you know it's over. But you feel some sense of responsibility of what is the other person going to do. But that's never was, was your, your purpose in life, to fix or help anyone. It's individual. It's inside out. It mm. was never outside in. Mm. Right. So if you listen to the noise from everyone outside, then you don't even know which way to go. So, oh. hi, I'm a little lost. Uh, should, I want to go to uh, the, the theater because I want to work in the theater. Which way should I go? Well, okay, go up this way. Which way should I go? I think you just sit still for a minute. I mean, you're going to have so many opinions about what you should do. Yeah. And that's the, and so you have to figure out it's you're 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 it. You have the answer. It's inside. Advice is what you ask when you already know the answer but wish you didn't. Ooh. Ooh. Dang. <laughs> we getting deep early. We are going to have... Uh, well, listen, there, there's no bad time for getting real. <laughs> yeah, it's I true. love it. I read your, your book, actually, a right. couple of years ago. There's no traffic on the extra mile. And that seems to be the thing that you press constantly is the inner person. And when you're, when you're mm-hmm. on set, knowing your role, who you are, the way you treat people, you... Yeah. you you and your connection and your relationships at what point you're getting taught all these things from from grandma but and, and family members but at what point did you actually see it and recognize and start applying it and seeing it work like when did because you, you you now you're speaking it <laughs> yeah well I, here's the thing i i feel that there are no losses only lessons so if we learn the lesson, the sooner we learn it, then we can move forward. Mm. The thing that's stopping us is our inability to accept the lesson or recognize that, wait a minute, there's a lesson here. Like, I responded very aggressively, and then what did I get back? More aggression. So, like, that doesn't work. (laughs) So, (laughs) So maybe I need to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Mm. Maybe I need to just listen first. And also realize that you don't know what happened to the person who just said whatever they said to you. You don't know what they're exactly. going through. Exactly. Yes. So, mm-hmm. so maybe, maybe, and I'm just saying try. I'm not saying it works for everyone and that everyone's ready. I mean, I've said it before. Everyone, everyone is worth your time. Mm. Not everybody's ready for it. Ooh. And that's okay. Yeah. 
Wow. That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. You know, they're not ready. So don't spend your time, you know, uh, talking to a wall. Hmm. Because people build a wall between themselves so that that when they talk into that wall, they only hear themselves. Wow. They don't want to hear anyone else's thoughts or 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 questions. So when someone says to me, my relationship is really bad and and I'm not, you know, all the things that are bad about the relationship. And then they say, so what do you think? Should I leave? Hmm. <laughs> See, that's that advice thing again. Yeah, you know they already know the that. answer. Exactly. So, and if you say to them, after you're hearing everything, well, I think you should leave. All right, I'll talk to you later. I'm going to keep calling someone until I find somebody who says you should stay. Because yeah. that's what I've made up my mind yeah. to do is stay. You've already chosen to stay. Don't ask me. And so that's something I can't. And so I've learned how to just say, listen, like even with my mom, I don't listen to to drama, any one story or drama or this happened or that happened. It's not my business, mm. you know. So it's, I would say to my mom, even today, if she said something to me about what someone did or said to her, said, I love you, I believe in you, and I'm sure you'll work it out. There are people who are qualified to help you. That's not my my purpose. My purpose as your son is to love you, mm. not to fix you. That's not I, that's not my role. I, wow. I don't have the answers. Man. You have the answers inside of Ooh. you, but you but you need help, and you need help in finding coping skills throughout this trauma that you're feeling throughout your your various relationships. Wow. So I won't. You know. You know how you how you're on the. You, someone calls your friend says, "Hey, what's happening?" Can, can I talk to you? You got a minute? And 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 when you answer the phone, like you're like way up, but you just came from walking. You just saw a good movie, or you just had a good meal, whatever. By the time that call is finished, you're like, I could go to bed. Yeah, because they dumped all of their worries on you, and yes. when they finish, they go, All right, well, thank you. You so help. I'm gonna go to the club. <laughs> I feel good now. <laughs> That's so true. But I feel good. I feel good. You know, because I, I, I just, I, I basically unloaded on you mm. and use you as a dumping ground. And now I'm gonna come back after the party and pick up all my junk because mm. I like my junk. You know, mm. I like all the noise and all the all the all the drama. You know. You know, uh, so so some people, j- they just have this cloud walking in the drama and, and you have no power over that. Yeah. So the That's only so thing true. you can do, someone asked me, well, you know, in, a, in an interview recently, how do you deal with difficult people? Like, you know, you're on a job and these people are like, they're like rude or they're like just diff- difficult. I said, uh, well, I deal with it in, in, in the way that I know how, which is I can always leave. Mm, that's true there's no job Mm -hmm. more important to me than taking care of myself and having respect absolutely and 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 look and it wasn't always that i mean listen the 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 young me was firing off i mean somebody said something to me i'd fire right back (laughs) you know because i had i needed something to make me feel like i deserve to be here so if everyone was going to fire off, then I was going to fire off. I was going to show them I'm worthy. I'm not going to be a, a, a punk and just you can talk to me anyway. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Especially when, when, when you look, if you're the only black person in, uh, in, a, in a leadership role, mm. and you're like, hold on a minute. Hold mm. up. Mm. Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, so I, uh, but, but I learned, you know, listen, uh, my, 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 like I said, kindness will take you further than money. More, you can get more bees with honey. All this stuff that she would say <laughs> when I needed to hear those words, they, 
they resonated in in my brain, you know, yeah. when I needed those those little things. Mm-hmm. And so I, I find that I am living my purpose when I'm my best authentic self. Yes. It's so true. Yes. Yeah. You know? And yeah. and look, I don't, you know, I don't feel I'm right for everything, but I'm going to always bring the best version of me. And if if the person who hired me is happy with it, then I'm good. Mm. And if they're not, then I can leave and I can go learn more. It's not I don't have to leave mad, mm. but right. it just means that maybe uh I'm not ready for it. You know, if if you don't get what you want, maybe you're not ready for it. Mm-hmm. Wow. So do what you need to do to to be ready. I mean, shows I mean like the Oscars for for example, I never someone said it was that on your bucket list. It wasn't on my bucket list because it was never a thing that I thought would be reality. So I don't put anything that I don't think would happen. But I didn't know where I was 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 leading to. Hmm. And going to a job like that, you know, you realize you know what you know. And then there's everything else mm-hmm. that you don't know. Mm-hmm. And that's OK. Yeah. You know, I've had people call me and say, hey, man, did you hear so and so was saying this about you? I said, Hold on. What people think of me is none of my business. That's big. This is my business. I don't I don't I don't take in any if if you have something to tell me that's going to make me better. Let's talk. Yep. Yeah. Anything else is gossip and noise. No time for it. Literally no time. I mean, if I count that 100 years, that is no time on this planet. And so I don't have one second to to waste on gossip or hearsay or she's dead or she did this to me. If you have a problem with someone, then that's your problem with them. It has nothing to do with me. Yeah. I'm, I'm not getting involved in Such that. We're going to have a book yeah. when this is over that has all of the. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was like, the quote list on this show is going to be right? like. But, but this is real, though. I mean, not even joking. Yeah. I mean, these are valuable. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. I want to go back a little bit to the insecurity thing because you're obviously very accomplished, very talented. And I've always had this thing with seeing people in those positions and, and comparing myself and thinking they don't have any insecurities. They're, they're perfect. So what was that thing for you that you had to overcome your insecurity? Oh, I've never over- overcome my insecurities. <laughs> that's that's like, ridiculous. If someone says I'm through with my insecurities, I mean, well, what are you working through right now? Well, well no, I mean, well, I mean, what, what I work through is no matter how many times I've done it. Now I have, you know, butterflies. I get excited about mm-hmm. it. I get excited about the Grammys or the Oscars or the Super Bowl or any of those things. And when a client calls me, I mean, sometimes the self-doubt goes and you go, wow, what if they find out I don't know what I'm doing? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that, that, yeah. that, that I, actually, I walked in the room and they said, sit here. Welcome. And I, it was the wrong room. It was like, I, I wasn't, <laughs> like that wasn't the room I was supposed to walk in, according to me. You don't mm-hmm. understand what I mean? Mm-hmm. So uh, th- this is just a example of being invited to do something for the first time you don't know what to expect so Mm. naturally you're going to go how should i dress Mm -hmm. how should i prepare yes uh what should i read what should i study for this because i've never been in this room Mm -hmm. i've never played with a full orchestra i've only played with with ensembles Mm -hmm. i've never been on tv what what if I make a mistake? This is live. Mm. Like, or I'm on a film date. I mean, those cues go yeah. like that. Yeah. So yeah. what about my intonation? What if I, what if I, if, if I haven't been practicing, what if my fingering, like now with COVID, I've just started back a, 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 a more stringent 
practicing because work is coming back and I've had like three shows recently. But, you know, as a player, you need to feel confident. So your insecurities are going to come out based on what you didn't do, not what you did. Mm, absolutely. But what you haven't done or what you didn't do to prepare. Prepare. Yeah. Prepare. yeah it's absolutely. all about preparation. So, yeah. and, but that's in every business. Mm-hmm. So insecurity is a daily thing. Mm. You feel it when you wake up. Like I'm, you know, I don't feel my best self. I didn't work out this week. I'm so insecure. You know, I didn't I didn't I didn't study for the test that I have coming up and I knew it was coming. I'm going to fail or my, my relationship. I'm not putting all into the relationship that I should. And pretty soon that person is going to go, look, I'm out mm-hmm. like you have been slacking and not. You know, so my insecurity about my participation in life and family and all of that, there's insecurities always. Am I am, am, and I think that in the end, you'll find that. At the end of each day, my my part of my the beginning of my day and the end of my day is is pretty much the same. I meditate and I do yoga and I pray. The first thing in the morning, I have my time, mm-hmm. quiet time. And if I'm doing yoga or meditating or just sitting still and watching the sunrise, because I'm an early riser, is the three things is to one, get rid of doubt, worry and fear Mm -hmm. because those are the things that can paralyze us to where we don't, I can't even get out of bed Mm -hmm. because I'm doubtful that anything will happen good for me today. I'm fearful if it does, or I'm I'm fearful if it, if it doesn't. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know, so I'm, I'm worried, doubtful. I'm worrying about it. I'm worrying about yesterday. It's already over. (laughs) (laughs) I'm worrying. Did I, did I do something wrong yesterday? What could I have done yesterday to make to start off today better? So I'm worried. Yes, yes, yes. And I'm I'm fearful. What'll happen if if I don't have the career that I want? What if no one ever fi- you know, so all yeah. of that, but all that falls under insecurity. Yes. And yeah. being insecure. Mm, so true. Wow. Okay. I'm, yeah. I'm so, so curious. I think that there's 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 self there's there's it's okay to be a little selfish. You need self care. Mm. Yep. Absolutely. You need self love. Yeah. And you need self-appreciation. Well, like you said, also in, appreciate inside out. Yeah. Yeah. That's that. That's, that's all the inside out. It's mm-hmm. all the same. It's the same book. I mean, if, if you took one line and did that, then you're covering the book. You're yeah. covering <laughs> whatever is in there. You know, it's if you so do true. self-love, then all of that's going to come, you know, yeah. self-care. If you take care of yourself mm-hmm. and do the things that you that you need to do. To, to be better, not on any scale from anyone else, not any taking a litmus test or finding out what everyone else is doing so you can see if you're in line. Be the best version of you. Yes. And you can do that daily. You can take a, a an assessment of where I am today and don't judge yourself. Don't beat yourself up about things that you set goals and it didn't happen. Mm. I mean, imagine, you know, people, my, Michael Jordan had a thing about uh, that he wrote that I'm not great for all the winning shots and baskets I made. I'm great because of the shots I missed. Mm-hmm. Because I learned from those. Yes. Yeah. I learned how to work. So so these are these are lessons. Again, like I said, no losses, just lessons. Yeah. I mean, something didn't go well. I make my list. I'm a, a list kind of guy. Yeah. So I have <laughs> I have tons of legal pads. <laughs> And uh, you, look, you see you, me you sitting with mine right here. When no one's around me, say, baby, I love you. Say my name. Say my name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. 
that's, that's Kevin all day long. All day. <laughs> Acting shady, ain't calling me baby, say my name. <laughs> Ricky! Yeah. I'm, right. I'm well, it makes sense. Now so, what you're saying, it, it makes so much sense because then that's how you end up bringing the best you and bringing everything that everybody else needs to the table because when mm-hmm. you're looking at yourself, you're working on yourself, you're loving yourself, then you have love to give to other people, you have your talents to express to other people because you've been working on you and you don't end up coming to the table thinking, oh God, you know, I didn't practice and what are these people doing? You, you, you come to the table with, with you. And that's yeah, the, be- the, 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 you know, best the best you. the best that I can be at that moment. Yeah. And always remember, you can't pour from an empty cup. So mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> we got Ricky quotes. Man. I'm telling you. So so how are you gonna pour the love? So the, the any any organization, any relationship is a reflection of the leader. So if you have a leader who is very aggressive and firm, then then the tension's gonna be with everyone that's working. Whoever the, the leader, CEO, boss, conductor, whoever that is, mm-hmm. they're going to immediately take on the energy from the leader. Yeah. So, so if you want the best out of everyone, you have to treat them that way mm-hmm. yeah. with respect, with kindness. And look, in our case, like it's not brain surgery, mm-hmm. it's music. <laughs> you know, our job is to uplift, you know, I mean, music is one of the highest vibrations on the planet. Mm. And through music, can change the molecular structure of any human being. And if you find someone who's sick in a hospital, play some music for them. There it so is. Play some classical music. Play, I mean, or someone's feeling down, and, and we all know you're, you're feeling a, a little down. You put on a jam, and next thing you know, you dance like, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Yep. I'm good now. <laughs> yeah. You know? So you put on your favorite song. So I, I tell people always, uh, I was talking to a friend earlier today, and I said, you know, it's important to keep the things that inspire you close, if it's a book, if it's a song, yep. uh, if, if it's a, a, a piece of art, whatever that thing is, a, a poem, yeah. keep those things close. Because mm-hmm. they, and, and the ones, one of the things that I talk about, I, I, do, I do a lot of reading as well. And uh, Rumi is one of my favorite poets. And mm-hmm. he has a, a quote that says, what you seek is seeking you. Mm. So the thing that you want in your life, it wants you. Mm -hmm. So you have to realize that that thing that is that gravitational pull, that's real. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's real. It's real. real. And so you want to be an actor, an actress or be in entertainment. And it may not be you may not get the thing that 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 you thought you wanted. You had a a little push when you saw uh, someone, a great actor. But you're and and so you think you want to be an actor. That's what you because you only see the surface. You don't know that there's other layers. Mm. And the next thing is uh, you take take someone like Ava DuVernay, for example. Yeah, she was a publicist and she wanted to be in the business and she was promoting these movies and she saw behind the scenes storytelling. And that's what inspired her to tell her story and to to reach deeper and further. And that kind of spirit and energy is the impetus of, of of that little seed that is planted because now other people of color and especially women can see that and mm-hmm. say, oh, we're not only can I do it, it's been done. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. 
It's yeah. possible. Like, I know I can do it mm-hmm. now. 100%. Yeah. You know, and because, I mean, a lot of times we don't think we can do it because maybe we think it hasn't been done. I mean, this is a great big world. And the chances of you being the first one to do yeah. what you're thinking about doing is pretty <laughs> slim. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, there, there's new technology, but I mean, to sing hmm. or, yeah, or, or to, to have oldest. your voice or to, or to play sports, you know, I mean, there's still room for some first, but I think that the thought of stepping outside of your, your comfort zone and trying something new is not new, <laughs> but it's new to you. So yeah, it's good. Yeah. I mean, it's okay. I mean, so I'm just true. saying, just let, let be clear on that it's new to you. It, it may not necessarily be new, but it's new to you. Mm-hmm. Like you never heard it. Like someone, my son heard uh, uh, Gangster's Paradise mm-hmm. uh, by Coolio. Coolio yeah. <laughs> and he was young and he was planning in his room. And I came in, I said, you know, the original version is Stevie, Stevie, Wonder. Stevie Wonder. And we talked about it and I told him about the lyrics and I played it for him. And he says, yeah, I like Coolio's better. <laughs> you know, because, because, because that's new to him. Mm-hmm. Right. So the, what, what yeah. I listened to was old to me. Now, later on, you know, of course, he knows Stevie and appreciates it now and understands where things come from because you have to, sometimes you have to peel back the layers to understand the source. And the source of the song didn't come from hip hop, but it came from oppression, uh, black people, uh, mm. A living for the city, mm-hmm. you know, came out of drugs and, yeah. and all, and, and higher ground, and, and even more uh, too high, you know. Yeah, too high. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, so I mean, his, his songs are, are really tell the story of the times, and some things never change. So, mm-hmm. some of the stories are unfortunately are still uh, relevant now. Yeah. You know, mm. yes. uh, about a kid selling drugs and running across the street and and being handed drugs and being Picked being framed for the taking the fall. Yeah. For, you know, not knowing what was happening, mm-hmm. you know. I know you're really so. involved in mentorship. And obviously, I mean, we can see why. Um, but before, actually, before I go into the mentorship part of things, what I, I wanted to back up because we left off at you going to UCLA and studying computer science. Where That seems like kind of way off from where you ended up, like computer science. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I mean, where did yeah. that turn come? How did you, did you? So when we came out to California from Louisiana... Like I said, I was about eight or nine. I, I don't know if I had turned nine yet, uh, but I took a, the entrance, entrance exam, you know, for school, the placement exam. And, uh, and I, I scored uh, eighth grade math in the third grade. Wow. So they thought wow. that they needed to put me in what was called then a gifted program. And they started me that summer going on Saturdays to go down to the Department of Water Power downtown. They had classes computer classes to learn coding, COBOL and Fortran were the two forms of computer technology at the time. So I excelled in math. By my junior year of high school, I completed all the math that LA Unified had to offer, including, uh, you know, algebra, geometry, trig, calculus, one and two, and there was nothing really left. So there was a select group of us who took classes and we took some classes at UCLA in my senior year I didn't have any, there was no math in 11th and 12th grade. I had to go outside. So, hmm. you know, my math scholarship, all I had to do was keep my grade point average up and I was able to get into UCLA. And I didn't know much about college. I mean, I, I, when we came out from Louisiana on a, on a bus from on the continental trailways, I had never been on a plane before. So I, I just applied to UCLA and USC 
and I got into UCLA. I didn't get into USC, uh, but, you know, it's their loss. <laughs> That's uh, right. Hey. Yeah, but, and, 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 of course, later on, my son went to USC, so I said, well, you know, so I, I didn't get to go there, but I did give them a lot of money paying for his education. So <laughs> that, that took care of that. But, oh, got you. Uh, so I didn't, I didn't know. And uh, this music thing was really, was pulling at me. I had my own top 40 band. So I started playing 14 by 16. I already had my own band and we were playing weddings, proms and, and bar mitzvahs and all over town mm. and making money. And my uncle taught us how to save money and put ourselves on a salary. We bought our own van. We bought our own instruments and uh, sound system, uh, had roadies, the whole thing. <laughs> and so it was a business going on. But, you know, I, I was doing well at school. And uh, then it came that fork in the road again to say, you know, I, I went to school one day. It was pouring raining. And it was my junior year. And it just hit me like I wasn't happy. I mean, music was going okay. School was going okay. Everything was good. But it was something burning inside of me. And I had to make make a decision to play music or not. And I decided that I would leave. And I moved back to the projects with my mom. You know, and for about three months, I, I went and told her. I said... I'm not happy and I want to leave school. And I was crying the whole way there in the rain. And she said, and you know, single mom, she said, whatever makes you happy. Oh, I love that. And so I stayed there for about about three months and I found a little back house, still in Watts, a hundred bucks a month. Woo. It was a, it was an old two shed that they put a little bathroom in and and put a curtain in to make, you know, that's you, that's uh uh, the closet ended up being the bedroom, a little twin bed. I stayed there for five years. Wow. No girlfriend, no TV. I just practiced and shit. I oh. played with 10 big bands. Oh. Uh, I played with L.A. City College, Harbor College. I played with Gil Askey. Uh, uh, Henry Grant had a big band. Herbert Anderson Quartet. I played in wedding bands. And I would leave home from 10 in the morning to 10 at night, not make a dime, but was happy as a lark. Wow. wow. And, but that didn't take that was, long. It didn't yeah. take long. Within about nine months, I got the first call to go on the road with Gladys Knight and the Pips. And it was all recommendation. I mean, think about it. Wow. These are all wow, people wow. who, and all these bands who know you as a person who is never late, mm -hmm. always a good attitude, yep. and and always practicing, always you know working on getting better. And I remember I played with uh, one big band and this guy, Nolan Shaheed, a uh, trumpet player, mm -hmm. Uh, was had been music director for Marvin Gaye. He had been on the road with Basie. And I didn't know who he was, but he came in and sat in with the big band on a you know outdoor gig or whatever. And he walked over to me, he says, hey, you reading all that stuff? I said, yes, sir. He said, all right. And then about two months later, he called me for, there was a tribute to Smokey Robinson at the Shrine Auditorium. And he called me for the gig. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Mr. On Time. There was a, a load in at 8, at 8 a.m. Rehearsal started at 9. I was there at 7 in the parking lot. <laughs> there we go. Had my gear and set my gear up. And all the car I didn't even know what a cartage company was. Mm. All the cartage companies started showing up and said, hey, you know, who, whose stuff are you setting up there? I said, oh, oh it's mine. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and it had all the, you know, it had all the great percussion player, Eddie Bongo Brown, his gear and this guitar player and all these yeah. like session guys. And, and it was an orchestra. And, you know, he, he saw me do that thing. And from that, other people saw me and they recommended me for the Gladys Knight gig after playing with all these different bands. 
And I went on the road at 19 and that changed everything as well. Because mm -hmm. while on that gig, two years into the gig, I was in Boston and the drummer used to play with Stephanie Mills and she was playing at Berkeley oh. School of Music, which Ooh. I had never heard of. <laughs> and so we go across the street and he says, he introduced me to the music director and we're talking. And the music director says to me, hey, I, I, uh, I come to L.A. sometimes. Just give me your number. You know, I, I, sometimes I need somebody to put a band together. I work with the Weather Girls and I have different people travel with. And he called me. He said, I got this girl singing in my church trying to get a record deal. Her name is Whitney Houston. Wow. Oh I, I, I was chills. 22 and she was 18. Man. Wow. So all that to say, you never know who you're going to meet. Mm -hmm. You just don't know. You don't know who you're talking to. You have no idea. Yes. So true. So 100%. treat everyone as if they are the key to everlasting love and life. Every single person that you meet, yeah. mm -hmm. they yeah. deserve it. Absolutely. So I didn't advice. know that. Who, you know, who, and she didn't know who she was going to be either. I mean, she was nice, but, you know, she and we did the showcase. I put the band together and no one showed up. And we wow. sat and talked after that. And because at the time it was groups, bands, Shalimar, mm -hmm. The Whispers, Confunction. It was bands. Mm -hmm. So what is this girl going to do? Just stand there and sing? Mm -hmm. So people weren't even interested. About a year later, I ended up doing Dreamgirls, you know, same kind of thing, but somebody recommended me and I happened to be in town and it was a, it was the callback. And so they got me in and I got the gig at, at, at 22 years old, you know. So after that gig, I got a call from from Whitney's people saying that she wanted me back to do, do her her first headline tour. Mm. Wow. And it was a couple of years after that. So. You know, you never know the impression you're making on mm -hmm. people. I think, you know, she talked about remembering that, how, how nice I was. Because I was like big stuff, you know. I, you know I, she said, so what's it like working with Gladys? Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah. I was like, yeah. What's your sign? <laughs> <laughs> I love yeah, it. But, you know, you never know. Each moment leads to the next moment. You're the connector. You're to connect those moments. Yes. So many great nuggets from this interview, but that is not it. Make sure you tune in next week for part two of I Am The Band with Ricky Miner. Thank you for listening. Interested in starting your own podcast? Visit us at IamMusicGroup.com.